welcome to the Freestyle podcast series, bringing you real stories from those living with diabetes. We hear about the challenges they face and hope to provide some inspiration for living your best life. I'm Claudine, and today we're talking to Aoife Willis, a Freestyle Libre ambassador, amateur runner, and former Irish rowing champion. She reached a big turning point in her journey with type 1 and says while she may have diabetes, it doesn't have her. Please remember that before making any changes to your diabetes management, discuss these with your healthcare team first. Hi Aoife and welcome to the Freestyle Podcast Series. It's so great to have you here with us today. Yes, how are you? Good, thanks. Let's start by talking about your life prior to diagnosis of type 1. So, you know, you were 20 years old and really sporty. What was it like before you were diagnosed? I was just turned 20 when I was diagnosed. So I have a really good recollection of like life without diabetes. I mean, as a teenager, like I was very, very active. Um, as you're saying, like I've been rowing since I was 13 and was really part of that scene. Like as part of rowing as well, like you do a lot of different training with weight sessions and running. And that's where my life and love for running came from as well. And really nothing kind of to note it was a very very normal growing up very normal childhood and I was extraordinarily unexceptional (laughs) um nothing happened to me really yeah until like you know the diagnosis when I was just a week after turning 20. Wow so that must have been a massive change to life as you knew it. Yeah it was I think it was one of those things that oh I didn't really let it have a massive change to my life initially and I really put that down to naivety as well, to the condition. So there was a bit of denial and kind of lack of full acceptance of the whole thing. And those kind of first few years of being diabetic, as much as people do often say, oh, goodness, it must have been such a big change. I think because I was just so stubborn and so adamant that I'm just going to get the facts, the figures, I'm going to figure out how to deal with this, that... I didn't leave it properly or I didn't realise exactly how big a difference it made to my life. Really until about, I was about five years, five or six years into diagnosis. I'm seven years, I'm diabetic now. And so I think there was like a real mental block. So personally, biggest thing it had an impact on was my running. And my ability to run just went out the window, really. I just didn't have the confidence to kind of go long distances away from the house. I didn't know how to control blood sugars. I didn't know how to do it safely, like just testing when you're out and about, especially in the dark and when it's raining and you're trying to get like, do a finger prick. And just from a basic like control perspective, I was going really high, I was going really low. It just couldn't be done. It wasn't really until a year and a half, two years ago, and even really properly up until like January of last year, did start having a more noticeable impact or I've recognized the impact it's had on my life and that's kind of really very much like the mental side of it and the strain that you're constantly thinking about it and I think it's the aspect very little people see or talk about even as a diagnosed diabetic I had a conception that it was a very physical condition and that's why I thought it could be managed by x y and z using numbers and methods to like get over it for lack of a better phrase but it really creeped up me 
the amount of space it takes up in your mind. You wake up in the morning and genuinely, my first thought is, what are my blood sugar levels? So for me, there was like a gradual buildup of it and like that kind of pressure of constantly thinking of it. And I think that's something that in the last year to year and a half is what I've recognized as the biggest strain, the biggest change. Kind of managing the thing that I can't get rid of it. I don't have full control of it, but I can kind of make the most of it. And and how do I as well learn to put it to the back of my mind at times as well? Because other things happen in life and it can't be your only worry 100% of the time. Did you feel initially that it taken quite a big part of your identity away with the running piece being such a massive part of your life? Then all of a sudden diabetes comes along and running becomes a problem. I was really lucky in my first year. Like when I was first diagnosed, I was just starting my second year of college. So I had college to firstly distract me. About a year and a half ago when, because of my work schedule, I realized I couldn't kind of engage with rowing as much. So one thing that I kind of said in my head was running is something I can do. Running is something I love. Running is something that I can fit in around my time that if I'm working shift work, I don't need to rely on scheduling training sessions to match anyone else's time. I can do it on my own time. And that's when I realized very, very much so what it had taken away from me the diabetes that when I went to go run I was scared for lack of a better word that's when I went oh my goodness this is so overwhelming (laughs) because I couldn't it was the first time really that it properly said I couldn't do it like to do a 5k run was something in my mindset was very short to do but trying to carry things trying to know what my blood sugars were going to do whether it was going to go up or down and if I couldn't do 5k, how was I going to get anywhere with it? And that was the biggest frustration. It's just so interesting to hear you talk about how that fear of doing something that before you just got up and got out the door and went for a 10k run without even batting an eyelid. So diagnosis is a big challenge for the person diagnosed with you being diagnosed later on in your adulthood what impact did it have on your family and friends around you because obviously you probably carried a lot more of the burden than a parent would have done if you'd have been a child definitely did that I really took the burden on myself I didn't really engage with my family an awful lot on diagnosis I really kind of made it my thing I was 20 I was an adult. I'd just come back from doing three months working in the States. I was very independent. I think because of that, I can't really honestly say how my parents took it. I think obviously they were very upset, worried, naturally as a parent would. But when I got diagnosed, I wanted to be told how to manage it, how to get back to doing what I was doing. I didn't make headspace for them to influence my headspace. And it's to this day, I think I was a bit unfair to my parents, perhaps, because obviously it was a huge deal for them. They were obviously so, so worried. But at the time, probably sounds quite mean, but I didn't care. I needed to deal with it in my way so that I could kind of go the direction I wanted to with it. Do you think if you could speak to yourself back then, you'd have done it the same or? No, no, I wouldn't have done the same. I definitely would have changed this. 
I didn't realize how angry and upset I was about it. And it was, I'd love to be able to speak to myself and sort of be a person to sort of have that knowledge to be someone to ask questions to. Upon diagnosis, it's very impersonal. I felt from my experience, I think to have someone who is there to ask questions to, to give some advice, to give life hacks of being diabetic. One of the things that's really helped me in accepting it is that simple act of talking and also to be able to accept like other people's opinions on it and be open to information and open to different opinions. I have a friend who's type 1 diabetic as well and she's been just an angel in this process. She's really into running as well. When I wanted to get back into running, I reached out to her and that's really what created the opening for me to kind of start properly talking about as well. The biggest advice I just give to myself is just to find find a friend, really. And I think having a friend to open up to makes you much more open to opening up to others and how they feel in their experience as well. And as I'm sure you you know much more than me, that there's no right or wrong way with diabetes. What works for one person doesn't work for the other and vice versa. But I suppose social media as well has been such an eye-opener to people who have type 1 because they can then find like-minded people and you can share ideas and tips how have you used social to broaden your horizons my favorite thing with social media is I love memes I found accounts that like you know for type 1 diabetics that have you know the inside jokes I saw an image today and it was just a a woman on a paddleboard middle of the ocean she was chugging down an orange juice and it's like me trying to live my life being active but treading a low at the same time. <laughs> that sort of um, content I feel is just really, really nice and lighthearted, but it makes you feel part of something and people understand where you're coming from or there's other people that get you. So it's brilliant for just feeling a sense of community in that way. And then as well, you have really knowledgeable people online as well you can just go and have a scroll through you learn so much sometimes by reading a couple of lines on instagram of just someone um they're having a bad day and what did they do to deal with it or what caused it and what where they can go from there that stuff is really nice to to kind of see and engage with as well it definitely normalizes it i think for a lot of people and I know other people we've spoken to on the podcast series have said that they felt like they were the only person with diabetes that they knew. And then all of a sudden, social media kind of opened this portal through to hundreds of thousands of people that you can communicate with. Yeah, it does. Yes. And I think as well, it sort of really shows you the people that are your age as well. It is really people that are at your life point that you can build that connection with that they're having the same issues as you and or not even issues but they're just finding the positives I think one thing with me being diabetic is that um, I've really struggled to find the positives of the diagnosis I have one friend that I I blew up at her one time and I felt so so bad I apologized to her a couple of days later but she said something along the lines of sometimes she's thankful for her diagnosis because it forced her to look into like nutrition and how her body works and it helped her to like understand 
how to fuel herself and feel better, I blew up at her and I said, I'll never be thankful for being diabetic. Since she said that to me, and then on social media, you can see more and more people sort of saying, this is what I've learned from it. It can be a kickstart as well. And to see different sides of it and give yourself a more positive approach to it, or even just a different approach to it, just challenge your own conceptions of it too. So I see you're here today talking about your diabetes. What made you change your mind and open up about your type 1? I think it was really that point when I wanted to go back running. And it was that point of having to, it was like I was stopped in my tracks. And it was the first time I really had to mentally accept, you can't do this. Like physically and mentally, I couldn't actually do something. And it was the first time since diagnosis that I couldn't just power through. I needed to do my research or I needed to reach out. I needed to learn from someone else. It forced me to reach out to, to my friend who I've already mentioned. That was the, the catalyst in the whole thing. She started kind of giving me her hints and tips. She was having bad days. She was there to listen to my bad days. I was there to listen to her bad days, our good days, our achievements. She introduced me to the Freestyle Libre system, which again, completely took this weight off my shoulders that I didn't even know was there. By opening up and talking to someone and also finding something like that Freestyle Libre system that aided me in achieving my goals. It was those two things that really made me feel better about it. And it's really that acceptance. I think you have to nearly accept something before you can outwardly speak about it. And do you think there's enough information and it's easy enough to find, you know, if someone's not lucky enough to have a friend that they can turn to, do you think the information's quite readily available? I think it's a hard question to answer because like even when I was diagnosed at 20, there was plenty of information. There was definitely information there, but I didn't know I had to ask the questions. I didn't know what questions to ask. And I think in order for people to have access to the information, they need to first go searching for it and need to be triggered to go searching for it. But I think the more and more you do build on things like the accounts that you see on Instagram, the more these things like podcasts and discussions happen online. I've seen a rake of different publications and books come out, things that you can maybe just come across that people can just stumble upon in their day-to-day life is how you're going to get through to those people who don't know to ask the questions yet getting people to take that first step I think is the difficult bit it was for me anyway so you've got a new approach what do you tend to do if you're having a challenging day how do you stay positive I think for me it's really about not giving any emotional weight to things like blood sugars I know for a lot of people, and I've seen it a lot with people who've been diagnosed really when they were like they were kids and they've taken on nearly their parents' worry or that if they had high blood sugars, they'd have to listen to like their parents talking to them about correcting it. They've talked a lot about how there's like this emotional attachment to having high or low or good blood sugars. It's, it's like a positive affirmation. Oh, I did well today. I'm so good because I'm in range. And it's like, no you're still great anyway you're trying your best so whatever your blood sugars are as long as you're trying to always be healthy as you can and follow the advice of your doctors you're doing well 
So I think it's first stop, it's really important just to not allow the readings to sort of have an emotional effect in that, in my self-worth kind of a thing, for lack of a better phrase. You know, I'm still doing a great job, even if, if I've misdosed and my blood sugars have gone skyrocketed. Okay, I'm still doing a great job. With that, I think the second thing that I do is just to always accept it as a trial and error process. I think by saying, okay, well, I got that wrong. Okay, well, what can I do next time? What way can I fix it? And that trial and error then, I think, has a really positive effect in that. Like, you can be productive. You're not reflecting and thinking, oh, I did bad and I can't do anything about it. You can feel really like that you own it, that you're in control as much as you can be in control. The third thing that I think I try and do is always have a bit of a plan B or problem solve. There are times where I've been really frustrated because my blood sugars have gone too high because I misdosed. And because they're too high, I really can't do the training session I planned because I'll really run the risk of being dehydrated, sending my blood sugars even higher and being just in a really dangerous range for longer. In those situations, what I used to do very much so was sort of say, well, I can't do what I want to do. Oh, bother and sit in the couch again or be upset that I haven't been able to do what I wanted to do. And in those scenarios now, what I try and do is think to myself, like, well, what can I do instead? Okay, my blood sugars are really high. I wanted to do a workout that would have sent them high. What do I have in my toolkit that is an exercise or something or that I like doing and tends to bring my blood sugars down. So I mightn't necessarily be following the training plan 100% to what I wanted to, but I'm still doing something. I'm still being productive and I'm still doing what I want. Yes, I have to bow down to being diabetic to a certain extent, but not all the way. That's such an inspirational way to look at it, I guess, is always having that plan B in the back of your head. And a lot of people we talk to have an Everest of food, shall we say, that they know that when they eat it, it's going to be silly sugars for the next God knows how long. Have you got anything that you tend to keep for a special occasion, but you know it's not going to (laughs) be the easiest of roller coasters? I've been really lucky that the food I like I don't mind um, eating the same thing over and over again. I'll probably have the same food routine every week for the foreseeable. So I've learned very much that I know how a lot of the foods I eat react. But one thing that I do love is a hot chicken roll. Oh my goodness. I think it takes a day and a half to get things under control sometimes with those but I think as well, it gets better because I've realized, okay, if I take a bit of insulin a bit sooner beforehand, or if I do this and I do that. So every time that I've had a hot chicken roll, recently anyway, I've been able to like adjust a bit more and a bit more. But um, that, that's my Achilles heel is the, the hot chicken roll. As I say, I'm always interested yeah. what different, different things do to different people's glucose. It always gets quite a good debate going, I think. Yeah. So you say that you've got diabetes, but it doesn't have you. What do you mean by that? What I mean by that is kind of what I touched on there um, a few minutes ago with just how I try and keep positive in the days. I try as much as possible that 
it doesn't control my emotions. It is just something that is there and I have to deal with that I feel like it might um, get in the way of doing something. I don't let it get fully in the way. I will try and think of something else where possible. Sometimes it's not always possible, but majority of the time um, to problem solve around it and to sort of say, okay, you're stopping me from doing this, but you're not stopping me from um, doing everything. Or you're not stopping me from doing this all the time. It's just this moment in time. Yeah, that's completely true, isn't it? And I think everyone can take that small bit of advice and apply it to everything, not even people with diabetes, I think just in general. So finally, if anyone listening recognises your journey that you've been on, maybe feeling the same way, what would you say to them? I think it's really just about finding what you like and what makes you happy and keeping it. Take the time to problem solve and figure it out. I know I've said it a few times, but it really is kind of like my mantra, that trial and error of, you know, you might be able to do it the first time you try it. Like I went hiking this time last year on a relatively like really easy hike. And I got very upset because my blood sugars dropped so, so low and we weren't even a third of the way up and had to turn back and go home. Um, but in August, I managed to climb the highest mountain in Ireland, Carantoul. It took two or three goals of doing lesser hikes to do it. I think just take the, your time to pause, reflect, learn from your experiences, but always learn and grow. Don't ever say, I can't. Just say, I haven't figured out how to do it yet. Thank you so much. That's all we've got time for on this episode. But, you know, your experiences have been incredible and I hope they're a great inspiration to so many. I know I'm going to take some of your tips on board. <laughs> if you'd like to follow the next chapter of Aoife's story, you can follow her on Instagram where she's at Aoife underscore Willis. That's A-O-I-F-E underscore Willis. And if you want more information about living with diabetes, then check out our fantastic education site, Freestyle Progress. There you can find the Freestyle Academy, tutorial videos, webinars, the rest of this podcast series, and lots more. That's all online at progress.freestylediabetes.co.uk. Thanks for listening and see you next time. The information provided is not intended to be used for medical diagnosis or treatment or as a substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your physician or qualified health provider regarding your condition and appropriate medical treatment. Individual symptoms, situations and circumstances may vary.